God, it is the tie that binds us together, our love for you and for one another. Bless our time as we look at the scripture that talks about the church, the earliest church and this church. Lord, you have blessed us and we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The church. I wonder what words, what feelings, what images rush to your mind when I ask you to think about your earliest memory or encounter with the church. I did my own survey, albeit small, it was only three people, and they said things like fun, sleepy, I don't know if that means during the sermon, singing, praying, friends, strangers, laughter, tears, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, I have my own list. It goes like this. Soft fox fur collars. That's what the woman wore who sat in front of my family every Sunday, and I would run my fingers through that very wonderful collar. And she never once turned around and said, Stop it. (laughs) Polished shoes. Every Saturday night, my dad would gather the shoes around him, take them to the basement, and polish them in preparation for Sunday morning. We always, always, always went to church on Sunday morning. It was never something that we discussed. Saying my memory verse on Christmas Eve, Fear not. I was a little kid. It was a short verse. That's all I'd be able to remember. (laughs) Family, happy, belonging. When we think of the church, we most often think of a place like this where we come to worship and to be taught God's word. But before the church was an institution, as we know it today, the church had a very unique look different than anything ever seen or experienced anywhere. Here in the later part of the second chapter of Acts, we catch a glimpse of that very first fellowship of believers. You'll notice it is not described by the order of worship, not by their music, not even by the sermon. Luke describes it by telling the impact that God had made on their hearts. We see by their actions as they came together their newfound faith. Here we have a brief but very clear description of the fellowship of the first believers. I think it serves as a model for us today. They were beginning a new life focused on Jesus and it brought them together. What they were being taught was impacting their hearts and their lives, and they responded to God by responding to one another. It was a fellowship focused on God through the message of the cross. 
Beyond a shadow of doubt, they knew themselves to be children of the Heavenly Father, precious in God's sight, and redeemed for eternity through Jesus Christ. Here they were, strangers by any standard, different languages, different cultures, different backgrounds, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, belonging together to the household of faith. Equal in God's eyes. No wonder they were excited. Listen to Luke's description again. The work of the believers was to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. What was the teaching that changed lives and gave them a new focus and a new purpose? Perhaps it was for them as it was for the little boy who returned home after his very first Sunday school class. His mother asked, who was your teacher? I don't remember her name, the little boy answered, but she must have been Jesus' grandmother because she didn't talk about anyone else. Notice how I slipped the grandmother thing in? Mm, Smooth. The apostles were that way. They talked and they taught about Jesus. And the hearers devoted themselves to learning about Jesus. They were confident that Christ lived and died so they could be free from sin. And it was a powerful testimony to the non-Christians. They wanted to know the source of the Christian's love for one another, the way they encouraged one another, the way they were given power to have a new and transformed life. It seems to me fellowship was the natural outcome of following Jesus. They wanted to be together. It sounds like they couldn't even imagine being separated. They needed one another to be a follower of Jesus. The community of faith became their way of living. They needed each other. The early church devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. Fellowship in the very broadest sense of the biblical word koinonia. Loving, caring, sharing, all things in common. In one word, love. Koinonia was intentional fellowship. And I know in our very busy, high-tech, low-touch world, intentional fellowship is never easy and it's not automatic. Yet Luke describes in great detail how the first community acted towards one another. You know, much of the New Testament is letters written to the churches. So we have guidance and instruction prescriptions on how the church is to live its life together. These are often referred to as the one another passages, and there are over 50 of them, but listen to just a few. Love one another. Encourage one another. Be kind to one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Don't judge one another. Teach and admonish one another. 
You know, as I read through that list, I realized two things. First, to love one another, you have to be together. And two, to love one another takes time. All the believers, we are told, were together. Every day they continued to meet together, to praise God together, to break bread together, and to pray together. Now, some of you might be thinking, sounds like just a little too much togetherness. But it was this togetherness that we see the result and the Lord added to their number day by day and the community grew and grew. Togetherness was a precious thing to the early church. They loved to be together and they were together as often as they possibly could be. And their love for the Lord and for one another was contagious, it was irresistible, and it was inviting. It was, I think, behind Jesus' words, why the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The life of the early church focused on God. When they got together, they met God, and they praised, and they prayed. And the cycle was repeated again and again and again. They heard the teachings. They cared for one another. It led them to praise God, and then they prayed. And then they listened, and they cared, and they praised, and they prayed over and over again, and it became their way of life seven days a week, and the church grew. What was the driving force that made those believers free from their possessions and eager to meet needs and full of gladness and generosity and praise and prayer when they met together day after day? Luke tells us they lived in a state of wonder and awe as they saw day in and day out the reality of God's intervention in their lives and also in the changed lives of the people being added to the church. They knew those people, and they saw how their lives were changed, and they experienced the power of the living God. And it drew them into community, a caring, loving fellowship. Doesn't that sound inviting? Every time I read this passage, my heart sings, because God made us for relationships. We are not meant to travel this life alone without one another. I believe we need each other. That's the way God made us. You know, our faith is personal. Each of us has to make our own decision to choose God or not to choose God. But once the choice is made to be a follower of Jesus, our faith is no longer private. It is lived with people, with one another. I've heard many people say they don't need church to be a Christian. I disagree. You don't need the church to become a Christian. But I think Jesus gave us the church as a great gift so we could become in the community of faith all that God created us to be so that we become more like Jesus 
And we can be obedient to Jesus' law that says, love one another. Love each other in your own church, in your own family, in your own town, even out into the world. You've probably heard of the very, very large megachurch Willow Creek in the Midwest. And they say this about a biblically functioning community. It is their guideline. It's a place to know and to be known, to love and to be loved, to celebrate and to be celebrated, to serve and to be served. This is true for me. I want those things myself. And I think it's also true for you because that's the way God created us to be. And Jesus gave us the community of faith as a gift to grow in our love of God and one another and to thus fulfill the law of Christ. You know, last Sunday as I scanned the faces in the sanctuary, and I should add a little aside here, we really like it when you sit in the same seat. It makes it easier to take attendance. It also means you're missed when that seat is empty. Seriously, though, as I scanned each face, I saw represented a life where we have connected, connected in this community at this time by our faith, drawn together by God's love in Jesus Christ. I saw the family whose beloved daughter took her life and can't imagine surviving such a tragedy without being surrounded by the community of faith at the graveside. I saw the woman who lives in fear that her husband will beat her again and is gaining confidence as she gets counseling through the Samaritan Counseling Center located right here in our church. I saw the elderly woman who was making the hard journey of learning to live alone after the death of her husband with whom she shared life and love for over 50 years. She is so grateful to her church friends and the Widows Fellowship who provide company, and she's especially grateful for the members of the youth group who mow her yard in the army haircut style that her spouse always did. And she loves the auto angels who keep her car in tip-top running shape. I saw the mother and father who had prayed long for a child as they cuddled their newly adopted daughter and wondered if they would have survived the strain of infertility without the church covenant group that has shared their burden over the years. I saw the family learning to adjust to the mental illness recently diagnosed in the father. The details of their future is up in the air but with the encouragement of others who have walked a similar path, they are loving their dad through the pits of despair and anxiety. And so it goes. Isn't it true that joy shared are multiplied and burdens shared are lessened? It's so in the church as well. It's Jesus' way for the church. It's Jesus' way for this church. Sometimes I see those facing changes in life circumstances, changes that, even though they're positive, still tend to create some anxiety and makes us worry. 
things like kids going to school, kids coming home from school, retirement, marriage, all can take a while for us to wrap our heads and hearts around the change and the newness, and then we realize how grateful we are to be in a faith relationship that listens and helps us experience God's comfort and peace in all of life. The truth is the biblical community, the church family at its best, is the face, the voice, the eyes, the ears, the heart of Jesus for us. What a gift. What a blessing. Is it any wonder that Luke tells us of the rapid growth of the Christian community with such excitement? In biblical community, we live out Jesus' words, love your neighbor as yourself. In the household of God, your neighbor is seated next to you. And I want you to turn and look at that neighbor seated next to you. Come on, look in their face. Your neighbor might be across the aisle, so look across the aisle at the face of your neighbor. You know, the face of the neighbor might also be in the modern worship service. Togetherness is important because it is so encouraging. Don't substitute church attendance for fellowship. In our culture, we pride ourselves on our independence and our self-containment, and we seek more and more privacy. But when we get that privacy, we're more alienated and lonely than ever before. Community is the perfect place to explore, to support, and to encourage one another, to know and to be known by the God who created us, and by the fellowship of believers that Christ gave us as a gift. Before you leave today, I want to give you a challenge. I would like you to greet someone with more than just a hi, how are you, as you rush on by. Really look them in the eye and say, I'm glad you're here. That's a relationship. That's the way the first church lived and grew. It's my experience in this church. I pray that it is your experience as well. And it will begin today. Loving God, we do thank you for the way that you take care of us, the way you provide for all our needs. And Lord, before we even knew that we needed one another, you gave us the gift of faith and the church. Lord, grow that faith and bring into our lives many people that we can share your love with, that we can encourage, that we can help be all that you created them to be. And Lord, let us receive that fellowship as well. Thank you for providing all that we need and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.